0: Hi, I'm Ollie Neal, and welcome to Staying Connected, part of the Equip Project podcast. Staying Connected is a 12-week series focusing particularly on those having to self-isolate because of the coronavirus pandemic. We're aware that being stuck at home can be lonely, so we hope that each short episode will remind Christians of their unity as members of the body of Christ. In each episode, we'll have a Bible reading, a short thought, a prayer, and a final song. Today, I'm delighted to introduce Nick Greer to the Equip Project community. Nick is a Bible teacher at Crescent Church and also works as a GP. Nick recently started keeping chickens to break up the monotony of life under lockdown and also made me one of the best meals I've ever tasted a couple of years back, Korean grilled hanger steak. It was honestly a thing of beauty, uh, so do reach out to him for, for the recipe on that. Nick is going to be speaking on Ephesians chapter 2, and he's asked me to read verses 4 to 10 and 19 to 22. So if you have a Bible with you, do open it up to the passage and let's read it together. Verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. which God prepared in advance for us to do. And now we'll jump down to verse 19, which says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit.
1: Hello. I wonder if you've found yourself spending more time in your garden during these strange days that we're living through. I know I have. And amongst the many ambitious projects that I have decided to take on, I took a notion to plant a fruit tree, and I thought about planting a damson tree. For those of you who don't know or aren't from around these parts, a damson is a sort of semi-wild, slightly bitter British plum that grows quite well on these islands. And so I started to read and to learn about it. And I was amazed to learn an old Welsh saying that he who plants a damson plants for his grandson. Because a damson tree only really comes into its own in terms of its fruitfulness and productivity after it's been in the ground for 50 years. And I have to be honest, that set me back on my heels. Here I was, 32 years old, and realising that if I was to plant my damson tree now, I would be coming 83 before it really started to produce. It's best years just starting as my last years were wrapping up. And so there I was, wanting to plant a fruit tree and finding myself staring down both barrels of an existential crisis. It's difficult to conceive of doing something, of putting the time, and the money and and the effort into something that doesn't yield an immediate benefit for us. Something that we can't see or or feel the benefit of in the next few days, sometimes even the next few minutes. The notion of planting a grove of damson trees that I myself would never benefit from, well it felt counterintuitive to me. felt almost counter-cultural. I wanted a quick fix. I wanted strawberries in time for Wimbledon. And yet, there is another side to being human as well, isn't there? Another side to life. That desire that our lives would contribute to something bigger and grander than ourselves. Something that would outlast us. When Maslow was constructing his psychological pyramid of human needs, he started with the very basic things at the bottom. Food, water, somewhere warm and sheltered from the elements to sleep. But as he worked up that pyramid, at the very top, he put the idea of transcendence. Transcendence, this hope or aspiration that at the very pinnacle of human life we would somehow eclipse ourselves. That our lives would have meaning and purpose. That they would go beyond the ordinary and everyday activities of eating, working, sleeping. And that we would be a part of something grander and bigger than ourselves. And we live our lives torn between a world on one hand that tells us that doing things that don't give us immediate and instant gratification is silly. And yet this deeply rooted and deeply human desire for transcendence, to feel that we are part of something more than just a humdrum day-to-day existence that so often we find ourselves in. And perhaps that's a question that you have found yourself confronting more in these days. As we find our lives stripped of the things that we so often use to try and give them that meaning or transcendence. Our jobs and careers furloughed. Our family, our children and our grandchildren, distant. Even our freedoms, the ability to go out and do what we want and live our lives how we want, go on. And as we sit, some of us with the scepter of death at the window, we think about our lives and what do they really mean? What do they really add up to? Some of you will be listening to this who are elderly, perhaps unmarried or never had the blessing of children, and know that the clock is winding down on your life. And when you look back on it, 50 or 60 or 70 years, and a handful of loves and losses, you ask yourself, what was it really all about? What did it really all mean? Did it really have any grander or greater purpose? When my life stops, will that be the end of it all? Will I not leave any mark? Will I not leave any impact? And the young aren't escaping that either. My generation, the millennial generation, more probably than any before it, has been dissatisfied with the idea of just having a job for the sake of having a job for the privilege of going out and working nine to five. We have been marked by a desire to do something and be a part of something that means something to us. This this hope and aspiration that our lives would be contributing to something meaningful. And yet the things that we use to give us that meaning are themselves often transient. They often pass. And in fact, if our lives end and our impact ends with them, then they are nothing other than a paper-thin illusion that we pull over our eyes to pretend that we are part of something bigger. This passage in Ephesians that Ollie has read for us gives us the startling and incredible answer that the message of Jesus Christ gives to each of us, gives to this deep cry of each of our hearts the desire for meaning for purpose, and for transcendence. It tells us that God loves us. And then it addresses two of the ways that we often hope our lives will have meaning. First of all, we hope that we will mean something to someone other than ourselves that we will have had an impact, that we will have mattered in some way to someone other than just ourselves. And secondly, the idea that what we are doing, our lives are contributing to some grander and greater purpose. And so Paul in Ephesians comforts us with the fact that Jesus Christ addresses each of those in a much greater and deeper and richer way than anything that we could possibly substitute with on earth. First of all, he reminds us that God loves us. He talks about the great love with which God loves us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. Paul reminds us of that simple and yet so profound fact that while each of us were walking down the road away from God with our backs turned on him, doing something that if a friend was doing it to you or I, we would probably wave them goodbye, turn around and go back into our house. And yet as we did that to God, he chased us down that road. He put his hand on our shoulder and he embraced us. Why did he do that? Why did he come after us? Well, Paul tells us, doesn't he? so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God came after us because he wanted to show each of us how much he loves us, how much we mean to him, how much you as a unique and flawed and wonderful human being matter to him. How much, despite our rebellion and our desire to escape him and do our own thing, he cares for us. And so that desire that our life would mean something to someone is fulfilled. And fulfilled by none other than the God of the universe. The one who created everything. The stars in the heavens the depths of the sea, the wonder of the sail, the magnificence of all of this created order. And yet, he loves you. You matter to him. Your life has meaning to him. And in fact, he has come after you so that he might tell you how much he loves you. And let me just be practical for a moment. If you find yourself as a Christian struggling with your self-esteem, or your self-worth, remind yourself of that fact. While you may feel you matter very little to those around you, or perhaps you have come from some difficult or unimaginably painful family background, the God of the universe loves you and cares for you, and you matter to him. And then secondly, Paul reminds us that there is a plan for us, that we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared for us. But even more than that, look at what he says at the end of the passage. He reminds us that we are joined together in this structure, growing together into a holy temple in the Lord. And he says, In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That's you and I. It's interesting, isn't it, that it's not the idea of a drop blending into an ocean and being lost forever. Each of us, our individual characters, our nature, our personality, each of us as an individual is needed as a brick, if you like, in that building, that living thing that God is creating called the church. Each one of us is needed and wanted there. Each one of us is a part of it. And this is where we come full circle. Because if you want your life to have meaning or transcendence, you may design a beautiful building, you may plant a beautiful garden, you might write a wonderful play or tell a wonderful story or create some fantastic work. But ultimately that will pass. If I plant my damson tree, I may not get to enjoy it, although my daughters will, and my granddaughters, if they appear, will for sure. But some day, whether it's the wind, or fire, or the sharp steel of an axe, that tree will fall and rot and disappear into the ground. Great buildings will crumble, great gardens will turn to weed, great works and writing will be lost. But God is building his church and not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. And God is inviting you and I to be a part of that. That is the purpose that our lives have. That is the transcendence of the ordinary nine to five. You and I, each of us, are being built and woven together into something that God has chosen to dwell in. God wants us to be the bricks and mortar of his house. So when you get up tomorrow in the morning and you face another day on the front lines of the NHS, in a house filled with screaming children who aren't going to school, or in isolation in your flat, remember, child of God, that your life is more than just what is unfolding in front of you. You are a part of God's plan. You, who God loved, chased to show you how much you matter to him, have a purpose that transcends the humdrum and struggles and trials of our lives.
0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for us. You are a God rich in mercy. A God who has transformed us from people dead in our transgressions into people who are alive in Christ. You have showered your grace upon us, Lord. You've given our lives meaning and purpose. There is something more than the here and now. And Lord, in the coming ages, you are going to show us the incomparable riches of your grace and kindness, Lord. Father, we are your children, deeply flawed but deeply loved. And somehow, Lord, you have chosen to use us. We praise you, in Jesus' name.